What makes people lonely and how can Christian communities better minister to the lonely? Hello and welcome back to the God's Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and my guest today is Susan Metis, a behavioral scientist with extensive experience conducting research for faith-based organizations, including Barna Group, Thrivent Financial, and World Vision. She's an associate editor for Christianity Today magazine and has written dozens of articles for that magazine as well as other publications. But I'm going to be talking to her about her new book from Brazos Press, a division of the Baker Publishing Group in the States, called The Loneliness Epidemic, why so many of us feel alone and how leaders can respond. And Susan joins me from East Tanzania at a very early hour of her morning. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. And thank you for getting up at this ungodly hour, if I can put it like that, to do this radio interview. Thank you. What are you doing in East Tanzania? <laughs> my, my husband is a military diplomat. And so we've been able to live in some uh, odd corners of the world. Uh, Dar es Salaam is, is pretty lovely. And uh, so we're grateful to be here really close to the beach and um, see all the, the tropical life here. And we're talking today about loneliness. I wonder how the COVID pandemic and lockdowns have actually, or have they actually increased people's sense of loneliness? There's something very odd that's happened with that. And it's that um, when the pandemic began, we saw the same rates of loneliness uh, before and after people started socially isolating. So we don't know how long that will last. It's quite possible that with multiple rounds and multiple disappointments, people start feeling lonelier, but we didn't see the kind of uptick you would expect from being isolated. And I think that goes back to the fact that loneliness is not really about how many people you see. It's not really about how many people you hang out with. It's about your satisfaction in those relationships that you have, that you feel close to. Well, what is loneliness anyway? How do we define loneliness? It is a, it is a feeling of lack. It's a difference between the relationships you have and the relationships you want. And uh, sometimes that's because of a specific relationship. If you've been bereaved, if you've lost someone, sometimes it's in general. If, if you want more friends, you just don't have somebody to to have fun times with, or you want a spouse or something along those lines. Um, but it's always that, that deficit in the relationships we have. Are there points in your own life when you felt lonely? Oh, certainly. Um, so I was a Peace Corps volunteer. It's a, an American program where you do two years of service abroad by yourself in a country where you don't speak the language. I was in Central Asia. I was in Kazakhstan. And I remember feeling very lonely. Um, because not only did I not, uh, I, I became better at the, the local language, but um, I just didn't feel I knew what was going on or I was understood. It took a long time to make friends there. In fact, foreigners like me uh, often have higher rates of loneliness. Yes, and the, I think the language barrier must be just about the worst thing of living in a foreign country. Yes, I, I think that's a big part of it, that, that sense that you don't feel understood and don't feel you can really understand what's going on is a, is a huge barrier to relationships. What sort of research about loneliness lies behind this book? Because you've done an incredible amount of research. So the, the main thing that we did was uh, Barnard Group was able to do two surveys with some of the very same questions before and after the pandemic began. And they surveyed a, a sample of Americans that's representative. So uh, we knew that we would 
we would get a similar group if we took a different sample of Americans. We asked them about their loneliness, uh, about how frequent it was, about the pain that they felt. Um, and then on top of that, I looked at the research that others had been doing on loneliness, both survey research like what Barna and I had done, and also uh, the longer term, more in-depth research. One particularly useful study was actually begun in the US to study heart trouble. And uh, they were able to track people's uh, social contacts, their friendships over generations. And that's been really useful in finding out how people work, how they grow, what their lives are like. How do researchers actually measure loneliness? Well, we ask. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are, there are people who are wondering, you know, do you need to ask about the elements of loneliness? But usually if you're lonely, you know. Um, the, the problem might be if you're too embarrassed to say, because some people do find loneliness to be embarrassing. Um, so I did check up on that with some questions about whether people found loneliness to be undesirable um, or to reflect poorly on themselves. We did find some groups uh, where that happened, um, particularly young people and certain groups of Christians were more likely to say that loneliness was embarrassing to them. But yes, I know that young people are heard. also the group that reported the highest rate. So we don't think that it suppressed people's answers. I was surprised to find that Christians in the States and elsewhere found loneliness embarrassing. What's so embarrassing about loneliness? <laughs> well, you know, I think it comes from this idea that if you're lonely, then your life is pathetic. And I, I don't think that's true at all. A lot of people are lonely because they have exciting lives that are just don't allow them to be planted somewhere. But I, I think it's, it's really a misperception of this idea that bad, feeling bad means something bad has happened. And um, I, I hope that Christians especially are able to push back and, and remind people that Jesus in the Beatitudes blessed a lot of bad feelings. And we, we need to remember that cheeriness and feeling fulfilled is not necessarily where we're supposed to be as believers. There's nothing bad about feeling lonely, is there? Well, there can be. Um, and for a lot of people, it's just, a, it's just a, an unpleasant thing. For some people, it's extremely bad. And um, over, if you look over the population, loneliness actually has a big health effect in America and in other countries too. It's similar actually to uh, being obese or smoking a lot um, in terms of its effect on health and, and life length. So you do want to address it. Um, it's not that it's a neutral thing. And I, I think one of the things that we are learning as we study this is that it's really not an individual problem. It really is a, a community problem. Are Americans lonelier now than they've ever been, do you think? I would guess not lonelier than they've ever been. Uh, after all, we've had a civil war. We've had many other things that lead to a lot of broken relationships. But we're lonelier than we've been since we started asking this question uh, a few decades ago. And uh, a lot of people point to uh, the difficulties of maintaining relationships when everybody's on devices all the time. Um, and they do seem to be playing a role in, in people's um, in, in the way that they think about their lives and the way they think about their relationships and the security they feel in the relationship. Yeah, I think the New Zealand statistics, which I was interested in, which you've got in the book, were only slightly lower than in America. Uh, yes. 
something like 31% to 34%, or am I remembering that correctly? Something like that anyway. They're, they're slightly different questions, so mm. it might yield different results if mm. you ask the same question, yep. but they were very, they were similar in they, some They ways. were similar, yes, that interested me particularly. How do statistics about loneliness differ in other parts of the world from the States and New Zealand? Are there some countries well, that are lonelier than others? Yes, yeah, some countries are lonelier than others, and some countries have different patterns of loneliness. So both New Zealand and the United States have a pattern where young adults are the loneliest, and uh, adults get steadily less lonely going right up to people near the end of life when they tend to be losing spouses, losing mobility. And then there's a little uptick in loneliness. Uh, in other countries, you have a steady increase in loneliness throughout the lifespan. Some countries have a dip in the middle or a, a, an arc in the middle. So there are lots of different patterns and there are also different rates. Some people have tried to analyze this through the lens of culture and talking about what, um, what different cultures yield. I'm afraid that hasn't been terribly successful. Um, and, and in fact, it's very hard to pin down the different, uh, what different cultures have in common, uh, especially if you're talking about an area as, as um, really linked as Europe. What about the African communities? Where, for example, where you're living now, is loneliness a problem or as great a problem as in parts of America or New Zealand or the West? I don't know because I don't have survey data. To be honest, I'd be very surprised. Uh, people here have very um, thick social networks, and so that's one of the that's one of the reasons that you would expect them to be less lonely. Um, however, uh, in this whole region, there's there are a lot of things that kill people at higher rates, it, not just malaria, but traffic accidents, for example. So when people are bereaved, you expect them to be lonelier. This is, there's just a tangle of reasons you could argue one way or another, but you would expect people from different places and different cultures to have different patterns of loneliness across their lives, different reasons for loneliness, uh, different, you know, results of loneliness as well. Do we need loneliness from time to time to flourish as people? Well, I think so, but I think so because loneliness is a gauge that points to the need for healthy relationships and the lack that we have. And I think if, if we're not realizing that our relationships are lacking, then we're not seeing ourselves in our world for what it is. Um, I think it can be a reality check. And uh, I think it can point us to the resurrection. Uh, I also think that solitude, which is different from loneliness, is incredibly important. And one of the things that solitude does is it takes us away from those interactions for a time and allows us to process things in a different way. It's not actually, I, I did ask people about um, solitude and loneliness, and it turns out uh, the lack of solitude, the lack of privacy and loneliness rise together. So both if you have enough privacy, if you have enough solitude, you also tend to feel less lonely, which is a very interesting result. Yeah. Are Americans likely to, or less likely to develop friendships than they used to? Yes. And in fact, some new data just came out. There does seem to be kind of a friendship crisis. People have really very few close friends these days, fewer than they used to. Um, and among men, uh, it's a lower rate. So uh, we are looking at, uh, I think, a crisis in friendship. That might have to do with a crisis in making friends or in keeping friends. 
Uh, it might have to do with other factors in life, but I think it's something that we need to take very seriously as mm. a society. So people presumably are used to sharing now, uh, particularly with their, their, fr- their family and their, their immediate family rather than people outside mm-hmm. their family circle. That's quite right. And um, that, that could be a good thing. It could be you know, a, a bad thing, but fewer people are getting married and having children now. And so we need to look at the possibility that fewer people will have even a social network of immediate family available to them. But really, if you want to prevent loneliness, if you want to address it, you need a a network that includes multiple kinds of relationships. So not just spouse, not just spouse and parents, but spouse and parents and siblings and friends and neighbors, and people you run across in the grocery store. You really want a lot of kinds of relationships to have a, a rich and lonely life. Does the church itself have a loneliness problem? Yes, we do. And you can see that not because people who go to church are dramatically lonelier, but because they're as lonely as the people around them. It could still be that churches are doing a great job of fighting loneliness. Um, And that you would see that if, for example, people were very lonely when they came and became less lonely, average lonely when they stayed. But I think one of the things that we're seeing is that certain groups of people find it easier to connect church, easier to have those relationships form. And uh, small groups um, might do a lot, but they certainly don't take care of the whole problem of relationships. We still need um, something more than people simply meeting together on Sundays, or as the case may be meeting on Zoom on Sundays in order for people to stop feeling as lonely when they become part of a church. Yes. What can the church do practically about loneliness? It is, it's going to be a long process. Uh, I looked at some research on programs that people started to address loneliness. And that's one of the things that a lot of churches go to is starting a new program. Unfortunately, they don't work very well. Um, So you're looking at changes over time uh, rather than programs, but you do, you do want to know that uh, your pastor understands loneliness and isn't looking down on you. Um, So people, I think, need to hear from their leaders that loneliness is a part of life. Um, They need to hear from their leaders uh, ways of dealing with loneliness. So, for example, uh, a lot of people get lonely when they question when they, they question their interactions, when they think, boy, that went badly or I came off as a loser. Having people double, you know, question that and, and double check that and say, you know, maybe I didn't, maybe the person who wasn't paying much attention to me is just tired is actually usually the correct explanation. Usually other people's actions don't have nearly as much to do with ourselves as we think. But having your pastor model that for you, that questioning of negative uh, perceptions, having your pastor model for you what it feels like to be lonely and look at Christ who also was lonely and look at you know, the resurrection and the end of loneliness. Um, having people around you who invest in your life, it's nice to chat before and after the service. Those things are important, but it's also important to have somebody who during the week will say, are you okay? Can I bring you some soup? We do that for certain groups of people, people who are in the hospital, people with new babies, but we don't necessarily do it for the people who might benefit most. And I I think we need to think more broadly about 
ministry person to person and um, meeting the, the daily social needs of other Christians. So in all this conversation about loneliness, the title of the book is The Loneliness Epidemic. So presumably you found and your researchers have found that loneliness has become an epidemic. Yes, yes. Uh, I wasn't the first person to say so. Actually, one of our Surgeon Generals uh, has declared it to be a national health epidemic. Um, And that's because of those effects on health that I mentioned earlier, that loneliness is similar to obesity or heavy smoking. Um, He also sees that the rates of loneliness are quite high enough for us to to call out the role that this is playing in many people's lives. So in our survey, we asked people uh, about frequency of loneliness and found that about a third said that they were lonely every day or all day, every day. And then uh, an additional group said that they were lonely every week. Just under half of people said they hadn't been lonely in the previous week. So that's an epidemic when you have half of Americans experiencing loneliness every week. How has social media, because I know folk are quick to point the finger at social media and say everyone's spending time on their devices, but how does how has social media impacted both positively or negatively on loneliness? So we've we've gotten some new information on what Facebook knew uh, about the effects that they were having over the last year and the, the effects that social media has on, on people's um, sense of security is not good. But what we did find um, and what other researchers have, have really looked more closely into is that there's not necessarily a trade-off between social media use and uh, having healthy relationships. And that's because a lot of people who use social media a lot also see people in person a lot, also invest heavily in other people in real life. And I think that's the main thing that we need to look more closely at is, are our lives balancing uh, our our online interactions with people and our in-person interactions with people? And the people that we're interacting with, do we have a real relationship with them or are they just, you know, uh, you know, somebody on a screen that we've never met? So when you have the balance, um, and hopefully it's, it's an overbalance of interactions with real people in real life to social media use. And when you have that uh, real, real care, real carrying on real relationships that goes on online, you can expect to have a, a better time with it and to come away healthier than somebody who has uh, not balanced those things or who interacts just with people that they don't know. How do we protect ourselves from loneliness then? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, are, there are a few important ways and I'm afraid they all do involve some effort. It's a little bit like exercise. So uh, one of these ways is to um, start and maintain relationships with the people who are close to you physically close as well as uh, emotionally close. So start talking to your neighbors if you don't already. Start being neighborly, borrowing and lending garden tools, bringing bringing food, uh, bringing news. Another thing that we can do is like I talked about earlier, questioning when we have a negative perception of interactions or relationships, asking, is this really going badly or could it be that the other person is not reacting the way that I thought that they were. Um, that's one of the few techniques that's been shown 
to help people who feel lonely, feel less lonely. It's, it's helping people do a reality check and get out of their own heads and, and away from focus on themselves a little bit. And that does help us with loneliness. I would also say we need to focus on the early stages of relationships, especially in the U.S. where there are fewer and fewer close friends. Close friends don't become close out of the blue. They're, those relationships are at a point. And uh, so one of the things we need to consider is, are we starting new relationships? Are we meeting new people? I don't want to, to send you know, people who already feel lonely on a round of, of bars and cocktail parties. I think that's been shown that you also, you, you tend to feel lonelier if you go to those situations lonely. But if you like someone, a stranger, uh, or somebody that you don't know very well, do you talk to them? Do you invite them to do something with you? Do you initiate? And those things have a much lower threshold. And you'll often find that um, what they do is start friendships that may or may not continue. It's really hard to know uh, what relationship will, will you know, become lifelong relationships. But being a person who's open to new people, new relationships, who initiates those in small ways or big ways, those things can help us with our own loneliness. We're just about at the end of the interview. Should we look for a cure for loneliness? Well, um, some people are working in a pill for loneliness, similar to antidepressants. And the thing that it will do is it will help people feel less miserable about their interactions, but it won't actually give them relationships that are satisfying. And so I, I think one of the things that we should be looking for is, yes, a, a cure to loneliness, but not in the form of a pill or a shot or uh, you know, even uh, loving ourselves very well. What we need to look for as a cure for loneliness is relationships that we are deeply invested in where we are truly loving others and taking care of others and enjoying their company. Um, and so I think when we find something that allows us to do that in a way that we didn't use to, we should be thankful for it, but it's not going to make relationships for us. Mm. Susan Metis, the uh, author of this new book from Brazos Press, a division of the Baker Publishing Group in the States, is called The Loneliness Epidemic why so many of us feel alone and how leaders can respond. Susan, thank you so much for getting up so early in East Tanzania to speak to us uh, today. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.